Well, good morning. Good to see everybody that's here this morning. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us there online, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Uh, be sure to heart to like to share uh, each one of those. Retweet us there on Twitter. That just helps to get the word out again. You can even do that from your phones here in the sanctuary. And then welcome to those who are watching on our, or listening, rather, on our phone live streaming. If you need that number and you're here in person, I can give you that number after the service. Uh, so just see me. Uh, but if you need that at home uh, to give to someone uh, who you know who could maybe use that service, call our church office at 931-455-0645. We'll be glad to give you that number and get them set up on that. It's a free service there. Uh, that you can use, especially for those who don't have the internet. Uh, if you do have the internet there, though, let me encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the info tab there under, uh, under that uh, on the website there. Uh, you'll be able to download our worship bulletin for today. If you need one of these in person, our ushers will be glad to give you one, but they are in the windowsills if you want to grab one uh, sometime today. Uh, there's lots of upcoming activities here in the month of December, and so we want to make sure you don't miss any of those things, so be sure to get a bulletin. Uh, it'll have the most updated things. Hopefully you received a newsletter uh, this past week, but this will be the most updated stuff you'll see in the bulletin each week. And then we also have our children's worship bulletins. Those are in the windowsill to my right, to your left. Be sure to pick those up. And they're also under that info tab uh, there at highlandbaptistchurch.com, as well as you can download this week's prayer list. So be sure to get that done. If you need the prayer list in person, they're on the table out here uh, behind me uh, across from the the hall across from the offices uh, there. And I don't know if anybody was going to say anything about this this morning, but our post office uh, is out here for you to give for Christmas cards uh, and then to donate towards Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, you can bring your Christmas cards anytime now through Christmas. Uh, be sure, though, to check to see. You may think nobody sent me a Christmas card. We have every year people uh, who think nobody sent them a Christmas card, and we're trying to hunt those people down to make sure they get their Christmas card uh, many times, even into Valentine's Day, trying to find those individuals. <laughs> so, so be sure to check and see if you have uh, any cards out there. Uh, don't look at it as a disappointment. There will be cards coming every week, so check every week. Thank you so much. Brother Mike? Yeah, you need to empty some of those slots that, like some of us with the yeah. S for the last name, you know, you've got a slot this big and it's full of envelopes, so go check your slots. Um, turn with us this morning as we sing 77, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and join the choir. Come stand, stretch legs.
Amen. As we come to our missionary moment, we do want to highlight our missionaries who are in our bulletin, Jess and Wendy Jennings. They are serving in the Philippines, uh, and God has called them there to uh, reach those who are lost on those 2,000 uh, inhabited islands yet that have not heard uh, the gospel. We have many missionaries who are serving all around the world, and this is the time of year where we uh, have our special offering for our international missions and the Lottie Christmas offering. And so we're going to share some things with you about that. Ms. Rima is going to come and share about the offering, and then we'll watch a brief video afterwards. Good morning. I'd like to encourage you to join us December the 4th. Today began through December the 11th, next Sunday, for the week of prayer for international missions. It's something we do each and every year, but this year particularly, I encourage you to be praying for our IMB missionaries, for their families, for their ministries, and for the unreached people and places where they serve. We have prayer guides that will help you this week as we go before the Lord with our prayers. You'll find them in each of our window seals. You'll find them uh, at our Lottie Moon Christmas Offering Post Office, and you'll find them in the foyer. I encourage you to please pick one up this morning, take it with you today, and use it each and every day to guide our prayers. It's a wonderful way to pray specifically for the needs of our missionaries as they um, work so diligently to reach people for the good news about Jesus Christ. We do have an offering that uh, the week of prayer is encouraged to uh, give us knowledge of the needs and then becoming aware of those needs that we will want to give sacrificially. So I pray that you will uh, use the prayer guides this week and in realizing so many of the needs that are there that you will put it in to your Christmas plans to give sacrificially to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is a worthy goal, it's $7,200, and I pray that you would begin now to uh, ask God how you can help in that endeavor. Uh, together, we can truly pray for our missions around the world. So let's watch this video to get us started. We don't see points on the map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the Great Multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem, lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard-to-reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief, and we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted. Local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. 
God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. We don't see places on a map. We see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission. This is your mission. And we are reaching the nations together. And so we do want to spend just a moment this morning in prayer for Jess and Wendy Jennings, as well as all of our missionaries, and about what God would have us to give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would hear us uh, from on high. Lord, cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as we confess and repent of our sin. Lord, we just pray for your spirit to move in our hearts and our lives. And especially, Lord, as we uplift our prayers for Jess and Wendy Jennings serving in the Philippines, as well as many of our missionaries around the world in this special emphasis uh, for our international missionaries. Lord, I pray that as we pray through this uh, prayer guide this week, Lord, that you will impress upon our hearts to always be praying for those missionaries, but then also, Lord, to uh, impress upon us what you would have us to give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And we just ask your blessings upon us that we might be a blessing uh, to the missionaries in the days ahead. So uh, lead us, Lord, and guide us this morning. We give everything we have and all that we are to you and ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me just remind you of a couple of things also with your giving. Uh, you can do that online there at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Uh, you can do your regular online giving, and then uh, you would also find these around in the windowsills, uh, the offering envelopes for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So this is what they look like. Uh, be sure to get one of those uh, so that you can give your offering with that, and then also don't forget that prayer guide to pick up one of those uh, also. And we want to say thank you to those who have picked up the angels uh, off of the tree to bring those. Uh, hopefully you brought yours today. If you haven't this morning, please bring it tonight. Tomorrow's the last day as they'll be picking them uh, up sometime tomorrow. Uh, so if you bring up tomorrow to the church, you may need to bring that early. Uh, but just want to say thank you to all those who've done that. It's been a wonderful, wonderful blessing uh, to the Head Start program for Tullahoma uh, here. 30 kids and their, their families uh, that will be receiving these. And so uh, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. The parents were just uh, overwhelmed. Uh, by your generosity and being willing to do this. We are the only church in Tullahoma who's doing the Head Start program uh, with this. The local fire department has uh, a, an angel tree program. Salvation Army does also, but this is the only one for the Head Start program. And uh, many of those parents many times get left out or don't get there in time for the deadlines uh, for signing up for those other angel tree programs. And they were just uh, overwhelmed with, with gratitude uh, for us being willing uh, to do that. So just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And then also don't forget, uh, we've got our, our Christmas concert that's going to be coming up with Chosen Road on December the 20th. Uh, I have some cards that are over here on my right if you want to grab some of those to share uh, with your friends. Uh, so be sure to share that with others. Uh, we're getting ready for our adult choir and kids uh, to do their Christmas program on December the 18th. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. So I want to encourage you to come for that. We will be having kids practice this afternoon at 5 o'clock. And then again, Wednesday night with the adults at 7 o'clock, right after Awana time uh, there. So uh, if you have kids who want to be in, in that, have them here at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, and we'll be going over a couple of our songs uh, this afternoon. You have a blessed service this morning.
we inch closer and closer to celebrating Christ's birth. Uh, let's sing a preparation and, and, and looking forward as the words say in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Join, join us as we sing 76. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Children's Church will be gathering over on the piano side during this next song. And please stand and join the choir as we sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Page 86 in your handbook.
As little children, we would dream of Christmas morn and all the gifts and toys we knew we'd find. But we never realized a baby born one blessed night gave us the greatest gift of our
Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Micah. We're going to be taking a little detour from our life of Jesus uh, in the sense that we're going to go back to the beginning. Uh, we began this series on the life of Jesus after the first of the year last year. And so we're going to go back to the birth of Christ here. Uh, and the song that Bell just sang there is, is so pertinent to what Christmas is all about. That's the whole reason uh, he came in a lowly manger uh, there in Bethlehem was to die on the cross for our sins and for us to be able to trust in him and to have eternal life uh, with him forever. So we're going to be in Micah chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 2 uh, to begin with. I've entitled the message this morning, A Little Town of Bethlehem, that we just sang uh, a little while ago, and you'll see that as we get into the passage this morning. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much, Lord, for the song that was sang, for the word of God that's just been read. And we pray, God, that you will use everything we have done this morning, Lord, to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ, especially, Lord, that you would use this message to speak into the hearts of those who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for those who do, to encourage us, Lord, to be praising the name of Jesus, to be using every opportunity that we get to share the good news of the gospel with those around us. Lord, we know that you bring those opportunities, so help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadership. Empower us, give us boldness to speak. And we just pray, God, that as we study this passage this morning, may we see the, the importance of this little town of Bethlehem and how it applies to our hearts and our lives that no matter how insignificant we may think we are, uh, no matter how little we may think we are in your eyes, Lord, you love each and every one of us the same. Uh, you care for us and you have chosen us uh, to be in a relationship with you. And so, Father, we just pray that your will will be done, that your name will be glorified. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So as I kind of laid that out for you at the beginning there, over the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring uh, some songs, some Christmas songs that come uh, from our joy that Jesus Christ has entered into this world. You know, every person's existence can basically be summarized with three words, birth, life, and death. And when you think about birth, life, and death, the birth, life, and death of Jesus, three cities come to mind. There's Bethlehem, where he was born. There is Nazareth, where he lived, and there is Jerusalem, where he died. And every one of those cities conjures up, if you will, uh, a different image, a different picture. So when you think of Bethlehem, many times we think of the manger, we think of the cradle. When you think of Nazareth, you think of him being a carpenter and working alongside Joseph, his father there. Uh, when you think of Jerusalem, you think of the cross, you think of the empty tomb. Uh, but the story of Jesus began, as we said here, in this little small town called Bethlehem. Uh, what otherwise would have been an unheard of Palestinian town has instead become the theme for poets, the subject for artists, uh, the goal even for pilgrims to go to even today. Bethlehem even to this day is relatively a little town, uh, but Bethlehem is living proof that big things do come 
in small packages. So notice the contrast between the insignificance of Bethlehem and the great significance of the one who would be born there. Bethlehem is scarcely, as the scripture tells us here in Micah, in chapter 5, verse 2, it is scarcely worth counting among the clans of Judah. And yet God chose that little town to bring forth his magnificent Messiah out of that town. Why? Well, one answer is, is that the Messiah is of the lineage of David, and if you'll remember, David was a Bethlehemite. He had been born in Bethlehem. Uh, that's true, but that really misses all the point of verse 2. The point of verse 2 there is that Bethlehem is small and that it is great because it's not, not that it's great because David is born there. Uh, that's what the scribes missed in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6. Understand that God chooses every single day things that are seemingly small uh, as he chose this town, something that was small, quiet, out of the way, and he does something there that changes the course of history and eternity. And the question is why? Because understand this, when God acts this way, when he does that, it's so that we can't boast in the merits of our achievements or in ourselves, but only in the mercy of God. Because we can't say, well, God showed his favor on, on us because it was of Bethlehem. Look, look at all our glory. Look at all our majesty. Look at all we've achieved. All we can say is God is free to do whatever he wants to do, and he's not impressed by our bigness. Uh, he doesn't do anything to attract attention to our accomplishments. He does everything to magnify his glory. And so no matter where we are in the city of Tullahoma or if you're a, where we're a big church in Nashville or, or some other place, uh, none of that matters. Uh, big church, small church doesn't matter in the eyes of God. What matters is magnifying the name of Jesus Christ. So notice there are three facts that I want you to see here about the city of Bethlehem. And then a final point that I want to show you uh, about the city of Bethlehem that makes it one of the most unique and indeed greatest cities in all of the world. Uh, first of all, notice that Bethlehem is a city of fulfilled prophecy. It's a city of fulfilled prophecy. Go back to verse 2 again and you'll notice, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose um, coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. That's one of the clearest, most concise, concentrated messianic prophecies in all of the Bible. Uh, so keep in mind that when Micah wrote this, he wasn't writing this the day before Jesus was born. He was writing this some 750 years before Jesus was ever born. Uh, imagine somebody, I mean, we just went through the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic and we still have that still being around, but uh, the biggest part of that happened there in 2020, 2021. Uh, just imagine somebody in the year 1220 uh, making this statement that the year 2020 is going to be the worst year you could ever imagine uh, with a virus that's sweeping the world and killing thousands. That's exactly what happened. That's what happened here in this passage. The amazing thing about Micah is that he reasserts the certainty of this promise, not at a time when Israel is rising to power 
If you look at the history of when he gives this prophecy, in fact, they're almost sinking towards oblivion. The northern kingdom has been destroyed of Israel at this time. The southern kingdom is about to come under the judgment of God. And Micah gives this prophecy as a hope to the people. Don't forget, no matter how bad things get, your God is still in control and he has a promise for you that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to come through this place called Bethlehem that seems insignificant. And that's why the focus here is on the Messiah and we have in this verse specific identifying characteristics of the coming Messiah. So I want you to see the identity of the Messiah. He's identified as the one who is to be ruler in Israel. He's the one to be ruler in Israel. And immediately we know that the Messiah who is to be born uh, was to be both a sovereign and a shepherd. He was to be a king and a shepherd. Uh, he was to be anointed one uh, who would indeed be the ruler of the nations of Israel. And the Jews recognized that this prophecy indicated the birthplace of the Messiah because you remember when the wise men came to Jerusalem seeking the newborn king, uh, Herod the king, he gathered the chief priests, he gathered the scribes together uh, to find out where the Christ would be born and what did they say? They, they quoted Micah chapter 2 verse 5 and verse 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 verse 5 verse 6 says this, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So whoever the Messiah was to be, he was to be born in Bethlehem. That was the truth of the prophecy. And so we see the identity here of the Messiah. We see also the divinity of the Messiah. Because Micah also tells us that the one who is coming, who is going to be born, uh, is the one whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now the Hebrew word there for everlasting uh, or for ancient days literally means days of eternity. In other words, the Messiah was going to be born, but he was not going to be created. So in other words, from eternity to eternity, the Messiah always existed. And so what happened was, is that the creator uh, was going to become the creature. Uh, the one who said, let there be light, was going to become the light of the world. The one who hung the stars in place was going to become himself the bright and morning star. Uh, the one who created man was going to become a man. And that's exactly what the scripture, scriptures teach. When you read John's gospel, John begins his gospel in John chapter 1 verse 1 and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you read down in verse 14 of John chapter 1, and he says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the divinity uh, here of the Messiah. But then we also see the humanity of the Messiah. Notice Micah also prophesied that this Messiah, he wasn't going to be just dropped from the heaven uh, like dew on the grass, but he would literally come from a city. That's what verse 2 is saying there. 
He's saying, he shall come forth from you for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, is what he says there in verse 2. That refers to the fact that the Messiah wasn't just divine. He was also human. As the Son of God, he was also the Son of Man. As a man, he was baptized in water. As God, he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. As a man, he was thirsty. As God, he walked on the water. As a man, he was hungry. As God, he fed five thousand with a few loaves uh, and fishes. As a man, he wept at the tomb of Lazarus, but as God, he raised him from the dead. As man, he was crowned with thorns, but as God, he's crowned king of kings and lord of lords. As a man, he died on the cross, but as God, he came forth from the grave. And that is the ultimate reason and message of Christmas. He was the God man. But notice also the activity of the Messiah because in verse 2 we're told he's to be a ruler but then when you go down to verse 4 we're told that he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. In other words the Messiah was prophesied to be a sovereign to be a king that would lead his people and that's what happened. We remember when Jesus was born and all throughout the ministry that we've been studying about in the life of Jesus people expected the Messiah if he if Jesus is the Messiah who he professes to be they, they expect him to deliver them from the Roman oppression. He's going to be their king. But they forgot that he was also supposed to be their shepherd uh, who would offer himself in place of the sheep. And so uh, verse 4 there tells us he was to stand and also to shepherd. Uh, we see in that verse the, the identity, the divinity, the humanity, and the activity of the Messiah. And so I want to show you something absolutely fascinating. When you turn over to Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, we see how this prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day. That's where we see his humanity. Then we see his activity in the city of David, a Savior. Now, remember, his name was called Jesus because he would save people from their sins. Then we see his identity, who is the Christ. And then we see his divinity uh, there in, in verse 11 uh, of Luke chapter 2. He is the Lord. And so Micah said it seven and a half centuries before Jesus was ever born in that lowly manger. And the angels even affirmed it. It all happened in Bethlehem, a city of fulfilled prophecy. But notice this city also is a city of familiar history. I do want to encourage you to turn over to Luke's gospel because we're going to look at a few things here uh, in Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 through verse 18. In verse 4 of Luke chapter 2 we're told how it came about that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. And so you read in the Christmas story that we many times read on uh, Christmas Eve or even Christmas Day it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth, that's the town he had lived in, to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. 
So think about that. People were born and living all across Israel. People were living all around the world, even in different places, who had been uh, Jews as they had been exiled before, and some of those were still in other places. But here was the ones who had been chosen, Mary and Joseph, to bring about the, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When you study the history of this little city called Bethlehem, you find out some interesting truths. Because it's a history of divine preparation. Understand this about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a town. It's only about six miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's about 2,500 feet above sea level in the hill country of Judea. In those days, it was on the main highway that led from Hebron down to Egypt. Uh, in, in Jacob's time, it was called Ephrathah, uh, and it was the burial place of Rachel. Uh, the name was changed later to Bethlehem Judah, and it became known as the city of David because it was here that David's great-grandmother, Ruth, uh, met David's future great-grandfather, Boaz. Uh, it was here that David's father, Jesse, was born. It was here that David was a shepherd who kept watch over his flocks by night and later was anointed king by Samuel the prophet. Uh, all of this was divinely prepared by a sovereign God to bring about this prophecy to be fulfilled because that's where the Messiah was to be born. If God is, was sovereign in that, what we need to realize, then he'll be sovereign in your life too. If he cares about the little details of that, he cares about the little details in your life. Notice also the history of, of a divine presence. Because you go on and read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 down through verse 3. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So there had not been a registration before uh, by Caesar Augustus uh, when, when Quirinius was governor uh, of Syria. So this is the first time this has happened. It happened because it was in the perfect time, in the perfect place, in God's perfect will. God came to earth for the first time and only time as a man to a certain place, this place called Bethlehem. Now the reason why Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken. They had been living in Nazareth all this time. And there was a possibility if God doesn't move through history to bring about them moving to Bethlehem for some reason that he could have been born in Nazareth which would not have fulfilled the prophecy. That's why we know God was orchestrating and working all of this behind the scenes. You never know what God is doing in your life to bring about his perfect will in your life uh, for his perfect plan. The reason he's born there is because of this census that Caesar Augustus orders to be taken. And the fascinating thing is that historians tell us that this census that was ordered was the first of its kind in the history of the Roman Empire. Now you can believe either one of two things. You can believe either it was a coincidence or that it was providence. I believe Caesar Augustus was a tool in the hands of a sovereign God to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ in the right place at the right time. Otherwise, he would have been born in Nazareth. But not only did Jesus come to a certain place, he came at a certain time. I mean, he could have been born centuries before. Remember, Micah gave this prophecy 750 years before. But notice there in verse 3, 
of Luke uh, chapter 2, it says, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Uh, so he went to this certain place here. Notice uh, Luke 2 verse 11 specifically says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, Paul goes on to tell us in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come. In other words, at the perfect time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. For generations, for centuries, Jewish people had been wondering, when is the Messiah coming? We've heard the prophecies. When is he coming? It's kind of like for us today, we've been studying the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, and we're anxiously looking for the Lord and Savior Jesus to come again the second time. And many times we're wondering, when is he going to come? When is he going to come? Understand this, God is never early. God is also never late. He's always right on time, not only in prophecy, but in your heart and in your life. He, he's always right on time. And Jesus was the time, for him, the time was now. Now, you may think in your life, when is God going to show up and help me? I, I'm going through some crisis. I'm going through some difficulty. God, where are you? But if you know this, that if he came in the perfect time, and the perfect place to meet our greatest need to forgive us of our sins, then he will certainly show up at the right place and the right time whenever you're in need. You just be patient. You just be holding on. You keep drawing closer to him, and he will show up in his perfect time. Notice also the city had a history of a divine praise. The greatest praise gathering in the history of this world took place in that little town called Bethlehem. Because immediately after that announcement, both the heaven above the earth, uh, the heavens above and the earth below began to sing out the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. This praise was in three parts. First, there was the proclamation of the angel in verse 10. The angel said to them in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, not just for the Jews, but for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So not only was there the proclamation of the angel, notice also there was the celebration of the choir. Because in verse 13 it goes on to say, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So you can just imagine, that's almost like a glimpse into heaven and what heaven's going to be like, that we're going to be around the throne singing and praising the Lord Jesus Christ uh, who is there at the right hand of the Father. There was celebration in the choir, but there was also the adoration of the shepherds because you read on in verse 15 and it says when the angel went away from them into the heavens the shepherds said to one another let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it what did they do? They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What the angels had said that's what they made known and all who, want, who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So if you think about it, Bethlehem really does tell us what Christmas is all about. Because it is first of all about the proclamation that we ought to be sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with those around us. And understand, you have opportunities now 
uh, in this season that you may never have at another time. Uh, so, uh, this past Friday night, we were a part of the parade, uh, had a float that we uh, had there. We gave out uh, 1,290 packets of hot chocolate with some information about our church. We just praise the Lord for that opportunity, but you never know what you're there for. While we were standing there uh, doing some finishing things on the float, there was a gentleman who was standing there just looking at our float. Uh, somebody else from our group was over talking to him and, and told me who he was, and then they walked off, and I stood there and began to just introduce myself to him and noticed the tears flowing from his eyes. He was standing there looking at our float, which wasn't some great uh, fancy float. We didn't win any prizes for our float or anything like that. But there was our float, and he was looking at it, and he said, I'm just sitting here thinking about my daughter. He said, it just breaks my heart. His daughter passed away last year during this holiday season, 14 years old. He goes to First Baptist Shelbyville. But just being there to be with him, to talk with him, and then I just asked him, can I pray with you? And then to just stand there and pray with him on Jackson Street. You never know what God is orchestrating in your life, bringing about people across your path who need to hear the good news of the gospel. And that's what this message is all about. Just like the shepherds, we're to be proclaiming and sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. But it also ought to be about celebration because we ought to be singing about the Lord Jesus. Even if you can't sing your way out of a wet paper bag, you still need to be singing your praises to the Lord because that's who you're singing to. You're singing to an audience of one. And it's also about adoration because we ought to be about the business of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice also it's a city of fabulous mystery. Go back to Micah. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it said that Jesus would come from Bethlehem, Ephrata. Now the city there we know actually had those two names, Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and Ephrata, which means the fruit fields or fruitfulness. So let me tell you why that's so important for the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, we said, refers to bread. Ephrata refers to the fruit fields, refers to the, to the wine, to the grape juice and the, and the wine that was in the fields. Because Bethlehem was always a place of fruitful vineyards. Now, let me ask you to listen to that again and, and see if God speaks to your heart. Bethlehem refers to bread. Ephrata refers to the fruit of the vine. Does that trigger something in your heart? Because Bethlehem refers to the body of Jesus Christ. Ephrata refers to the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his body as the bread of life, and he shed his blood as the, as the cup of salvation. Jesus is our house of bread. But not only is he our house of bread, he is the fruit of the, of the vine. It, didn't he say this in John chapter 15, verse 1? He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Understand this, God knows what he's doing, even down to the very names of the city that Jesus was born in. It could have been Bethlehem, something else. But no, God had been orchestrating it all along through history to get it to the place that it was Bethlehem, Ephrata, to be able to remind us of the significance here of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. God had planned it so that he would always be pointing back not only to the birth of Jesus, but also to the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. God chose that insignificant little old Bethlehem. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
and verse 27. He says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. See, understand, God chose that which is foolish in this world there to shame the wise. He chose what is low there. Uh, and, and so God chose, think about this, he chose a stable he chose a stable so no innkeeper could boast and say, well, the Messiah was born at my motel. He was born at my inn. Y'all come see the motel he was born in here. He was born in a manger. He was born in a, in a stall, in a cattle stall there. He, there was, uh, he, God chose this stable so no one could, could, could boast there. God chose a manger so that no woodworker could boast and say, oh, look, he chose the craftsmanship of my fine bed here to be born in. He chose Bethlehem so nobody could boast uh, the greatness of our city. Uh, we're such a great city. That's what compelled God to choose us. Understand this. God chose us freely and unconditionally uh, to stop the mouth of all human boasting. He loves you and he's chosen you and he sent his son Jesus to die that whosoever will may come to faith in Christ. Know that the deepest meaning of the littlest and insignificance of Bethlehem is that God doesn't give the blessing of the Messiah, the blessings of salvation on the basis of our greatness or, or anything we do. In other words, we don't receive salvation based on any good work we do. He doesn't choose uh, other cities or, or other people because of their prominence or their grandeur or their distinction. He, when he chooses, he chooses freely in order to magnify the glory of his mercy, not to lift us up. So let us say, as the angels did, glory to God in the highest, not glory to us. We get the joy, he gets all the glory. And then notice the city of Christ here, and this final point I want to share with you, uh, that Christ will protect his people and give them peace. Go on down to verse 4 and then into the, the beginning of verse 5. It says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Understand there is no peace without the Prince of Peace in your heart, in your life. Look what he offers in this verse. First, he says he'll stand. He's not going to lie around waiting for us to serve him. He's going to be on his toes. He's going to be alert, working for those who trust in him as their shepherd. He's going to shepherd his flock. He's not going to leave us uh, to find our own food. He's going to lead us to green pastures, as the psalmist says, and to walk beside the still waters. And there won't be any need unmet by Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what the psalmist says. The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. And so there's no need that you have that he will not meet if you will just trust in him. And then he will serve us in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. His good intentions for us will not be hindered by our lack of strength. The strength of the Lord is an omnipotent strength. And so if you're trusting Christ, omnipotent strength, all power is on your side. So if you're trusting him, know this, walk behind him, 
follow him uh, like a trusting sheep and he will overcome every obstacle uh, in your life. And then notice also, he shall be great to the ends of the earth. There's gonna be no pockets of resistance unsubdued. Our security is not threatened by alien forces. Every knee will bow and confess him, Lord, the whole earth will be filled with his glory. In other words, you don't have to worry about what man can do to you if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because if you, if you were to be killed by this world for sharing your faith in Christ, as sometimes our missionaries are, as sometimes Christians are in other nations, know this, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So the worst this world could do to you, he's still with you. And then also notice at the beginning of verse 5 there, he shall be their peace. Yes, in this context, that includes final earthly political peace even. And so Micah spoke of it already in, in Micah chapter 4, verse 3, when he says, He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations uh, far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That hasn't happened yet. That's still prophecy that's to be fulfilled uh, in, the, in the days ahead. One day the ruler... The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ is going to return again and, and, and make that promise in Scripture there a reality. So I want to end this message with another deep peace here, a peace that has to happen before there can be any peace on this earth. There has to be peace between us and God. Our unbelief and his wrath have to be removed. And that is our deepest peace, our deepest peace that we need at Christmas. Micah knew it was coming, and he had experienced it personally. And then he describes it beautifully at the end of his book in Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 and verse 19. He says about God, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, sin, and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our sin, our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sin into the depths of the sea. Praise God. Praise God. This was the great work of the Messiah that's yet to be completed. Yes, there are enemies on this earth that still need to be defeated, but we can have peace in the midst of the turmoil around us. But notice this, that the gospel at Christmas is this. This enemy Christ has trampled under the foot at the cross. So for everyone who trusts in him, their sins are cast into the depths of the sea. You're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never trusted by faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You can have your sins cast as far as the east is from the west in the depths of the sea, never to be remembered no more. So we say not glory to us, but glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Philip Brooks, one of America's greatest preachers in the 19th century, he was, oft he was often referred to as the Prince of the pulpit. In 1865, Philip Brooks made a pilgrimage to Israel. And on Christmas Eve, he rode on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. He visited the usual sites of the village and then he went to the east 
uh, of the city to the traditional field of the shepherds. And as darkness began to settle, he, he stood for a while by the cave where the shepherds saw the angels and the glory of God. And then he went to a worship service in what is known today as the Church of the Nativity, which was built in AD 326. And he worshiped from 10 at night until 3 in the morning. And he said it was one of the greatest experiences in all of his life. Three years later, in 1868, he was searching for a new Christmas carol for his children to sing in their Sunday school Christmas program. And he gave a copy of his text to the organist and their Sunday school superintendent, Lewis Redner, and asked him to compose a simple melody that children could easily sing. And Redner, he struggled with it for several days. And finally, on the evening before the program would be given, he said he awakened in the middle of the night. He sat down and he wrote the music and the melody and he said until he died, he knew it was a gift from heaven. We know that song as old little town of Bethlehem. That song that captures the beauty of Christmas. Old little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And then when you read or sing that last stanza, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. When you think about that little town of Bethlehem, may her prophecy instruct us, may her history inform us, and her mystery inspire us to give our lives to Jesus, to serve him with all of our hearts in whatever time we have left. And if you're already a believer, to make the most of the opportunities that you have in this Christmas season to make an eternal impact for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this passage. Lord, that shows us the prophecy of what was to come. And Father, I thank you for fulfilling every word of it, that we could have the confidence to know, Lord, that you have promised that Jesus is coming again. And Lord, that because we've seen your faithfulness in the first of Christ's coming, we know that you will be faithful to keep your promise in his second coming. We don't know when that day will be, nor when that hour will be. But Lord, I pray that we'll be ready when the coming of Jesus happens. When the trumpet sounds and the clouds are rolled back and Jesus comes riding that white horse down from glory. Father, I pray that we'll have already given our hearts and our lives to Jesus because when that happens, we know it's going to be too late to make a decision then. So, Father, I pray that if there are those who are here this morning uh, who have never done that, who have never trusted by faith in Christ, I pray they've heard the gospel message. Lord, that you prophesied it. You've kept your word. Jesus was born, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross for our sin, and was arisen from the grave so that we could have eternal life. Help us to trust in him as our Lord and our Savior. Lord, I pray for those of us who, who may be here this morning who've prayed something like that in their prayer. They've trusted in him. They've repented of their sin. Lord, I pray that we'd come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Lord, there are many of us who are here this morning who profess to be believers. And yet, so often throughout our lives, 
We've not even shared with one person about Jesus. Lord, maybe it's just an opportunity uh, that we have with a neighbor or maybe a coworker to just say, can I pray for you? Maybe it's someone that we'll see at the restaurant today. If you, we go to a restaurant to eat, that we could say, is there anything I could pray for you about? Father, I pray that as you open opportunities and as you bring people across our path, Lord, that are open and more responsive in any other times of the year than these two times of Christmas and Easter. Father, I pray that, that you will use us to be the witness you've called us to be. And not only at this time, but all throughout the year. Lord, we give our hearts and we give our lives to you. And Lord, help us to realize that the greatest ministry we have is right there in our homes. Maybe it's with our children that we just need to share the love of Jesus Christ with and share with them about the birth of Christ so that we can make sure, even if they're so little, they just begin to barely understand the basics so that we're just planting seed that one day will come to harvest. Father, maybe there are some who are ready for that, ready to be harvested, ready to trust in Christ. And Father, I pray that they would. Lord, have your will and your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us if you will. Would you stand? morning. Um, next week is the quarterly business meeting, um, so it's a week early uh, due to uh, some other stuff being planned later in the month. Um, just wanted to announce that there are budgets on each side over here. Um, that's for the approval. We'll be voting on it next week during the business meeting for approval of next year's budget. Um, so if you have any questions, you can see me or Miss Pat or anybody on the stewardship committee. Um, but uh, grab one of those, one for, per each family, please, and uh, be in prayer for that for the next year as we vote on that next week. If you look in the church calendar, there was um, Jesus' birthday party set for December 17th, 
but it's been moved because Miss Laura's going to be on business trip. And so um, Awana clubbers are inviting children um, birth through fifth grade um, to the happy birthday Jesus party during Awana night. There will be a lineup in the fellowship hall uh, at the normal time at 5.30. Children do not have to be a member of Awana Club to come to this um, celebration. It will be Wednesday, December 14th, 5.30 to 7.15 at, um, here. Uh, meet in the fellowship hall foyer. We'll come in here for Bible Christmas story with Pastor Jim, and then we'll go into the fellowship hall. There'll be um, finger food, dinner, uh, games that the youth are going to help us with, uh, crafts, and a gift bag. We will also be collecting baby care items for life choices. That will be your birthday gift to Jesus this year. There are invitations like this that have information on the back in the windowsills and in the back for you to take. There are also posters on the exit doors. Take a picture of it, send it to your friends, um, and invite them to come. The, we are inviting parents of these children to come watch them with this celebration. So we also to help the kitchen out so they don't um, get too worried. We also have a sign-up sheet uh, for parents and children that are coming that especially are going to eat. And it's going to be just a um, finger foods. Um, if you invite a guest and you think they might come, please put them on this list with the number of adults and children that are coming so we order enough food. There is a, a sign-up sheet for meals in this window, in that window, and then back, but only sign up on one of them. If you are Awana families, we, we know you're coming, but we need you on this list so, to help us um, uh, with the numbers. Thank you very much, and Merry Christmas. Thank you for those announcements. Um, we need to remember uh, Brother David Wall as he's recovering from a stroke. Any time you recover from a stroke, it is a long recovery, so please be in prayer for him. Uh, Roger Williams will be having surgery next week, and uh, as well as my wife Brenda will be having surgery next week. Is any, are there any other announcements? No. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Holy is your name. We come together today to worship you, praise you, and celebrate the greatest gift that you, get, that you gave us, the life of your son, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, we ask that you go with each one of us as we depart today and be with us and return when we return again to celebrate you and celebrate the life of Christ. In Christ's holy name, amen.